0: life. And now for our speaker.
1: The pounding on the desk meant that the court was now in session and the room was called to order. The judge presiding over this specific case is very well known, very well respected judge. He's no stranger to cases like this. He is fair, he's known as a just judge and he's a judge with the highest integrity the prosecutor well he has a reputation of being the best at his job you didn't want to go against him he specializes in cases just like this he's also faced this judge many times and knows that he has a high standard in his courtroom, something that the prosecutor has learned to use in his advantage over the years. And so the hearing begins, and the prosecutor doesn't waste any time bringing charges against you before the court. He begins to lay out in the courtroom all of your character flaws, your lack of making good decisions, anything that that he could possibly dig up on you. He was laying it before all to see things that you had even forgotten about. He's laying it out. He says that you are a liar. He says you're a cheater and that you're a thief. He begins to present specific moments to the court. He went back to your childhood and he brought up the few times that you were bullying and picking on the other kids at the school's playground. He also brings up uh, the things that you used to do behind your parents' back. You know, the ones in secret that maybe they still don't even know about today. He mentions That he doesn't even have the time to go into your life after you left your parents' house, when you gained your freedom. But for the entertainment of the court, I have a few on my mind. And so he brings up some new habits that maybe you brought up, picked up. Alcohol, which led to heavier vices and heavier drugs throughout your life. He talks about the affair that you had, which separated your family and brought division The prosecutor looks over to where you are sitting and he looks you in the eye and over to the judge and he says, does a person like this deserve to have freedom? And then he implies to the judge without saying too much, but he implies that there's only one type of punishment for people like this person and then he arrests his case and he makes his way back to his seat now it would seem that this case is solid everything he said was true the defense had no witnesses or any follow-up questions in fact the defense just yielded their time and so the judge looks over to where you're sitting and he calls on you to answer for these accusations. And so you, you try to stand to your feet, but you can feel on your knees a little bit. The, the, the Really, it's the weight of the guilt of the room trying to push you back down, but you manage to get up. And you stand before the judge and you tell the judge that, that the charges brought before this courtroom today are true and then you sit down. You knew there was no way out of this one. Your time was up. And so the judge had heard enough. And it was time for the verdict. And given the evidence shown in today's courts, the defendant is found guilty and sentenced to death. And the prosecutor smiles from ear to ear, ready to celebrate yet another victory on his books. Death, you think, death? Can, it, can this be so? Is this the real verdict? And as the judge grabs his gavel to claim and make his, his ruling final, A voice from the back of the courtroom shouts out, wait. And then the room goes silent. And a man appears from the back of the room. And he makes his way through the crowd all the way up front. And he comes right over to where you're sitting. To your table. And he sees you. And he has a smile on his face. And so he comes to the table. And he says, may I talk to the judge on your behalf? and filled with fear and hopelessness of, of what was just given to you. You just nod your head. Yes. And then he puts his his hand on your shoulder. And when he did that, there was this, this peace that came over you. It was hard to describe, hard to explain. It, it was a... It was a peace that surpasses understanding. And so he approaches the bench and begins to speak to the judge. Now you can hardly hear what what they're saying. But you manage to hear the man ask the judge, is there any other way? No, says the judge. Your will be done then. I will take the punishment." And then the judge, with a simple nod, agrees to these terms. And he slams his gavel down, saying, It is finished. And sitting in your seat, confused, the now newly convicted man leaves the bench, And he heads right over to your table. And he approaches you with a smile on his face. And all he says is, you are forgiven. Go and do wrong no more. And then he's placed in handcuffs and taken out of the courtroom swiftly. Not the same as when he arrived, but now as a criminal on death row. And so the judge calls you over from your table and as you approach, he leans over the bench and says, you have been set free, go and tell others what has happened here today. And so the bailiff comes swiftly over and he begins to escort you out of the courtroom. And on the way out, still confused and wondering what just happened, you asked the bailiff, who was that man? Who would just walk up to the judge and take my punishment? Who would do that? And with a smile on his face, the bailiff replies, that was the judge's son. He put him in the courtroom today because... He knew that you were going to be found guilty. But not everyone allows him to approach the judge like you did today. He is a good judge. And you just keep thinking of, 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 of none of this making sense. But truthfully speaking, was it ever something for us to understand in the first place? And so asking the bailiff what the best use of your new freedom would be on your way out of the courtroom, he just simply replied, love him with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. That will never steer you wrong. And then you leave the courtroom that day free, redeemed by the blood of God. Of another. This last Friday, we stood in this room and we reflected on the last few moments that Jesus had on this earth before he would, while he was on the cross taking his last breath before he was taken down off the cross and then placed into a tomb to be dealt with after the Sabbath. And after the earth mourned the death of its creator, Son, the darkness over the land, the earth splitting and the dead rising. Friday was a day that would seem that death and darkness had become the victors in this story. Yet here we are in Easter 2021, gathering, not because we are celebrating that our Savior went to the cross and tried his best, but that we are celebrating because he did the impossible. He did the impossible. He did what the other two thieves on the cross could not do. He did the impossible. And when the women arrived at the tomb on Sunday morning to to finish preparing his body for burial, they went to the tomb and and were expecting the expected to find a dead Jesus lying there. So that they, they can, can continue their culture. Their, their, what, what they would do in this scenario when a loved one dies. They expected to see Jesus there. However, when they arrived to the tomb. They were witnesses to the impossible. Finding that the tomb was wide open. That, that the, they walked in. And Jesus' body was not in the tomb, not there. But instead, they were greeted, greeted with the unexpected. Two angels. And when the women saw them, they fell to their feet, out of fear. And they just kept their feet, their face to the ground. And these two angels, looking at them, almost with disbelief, just saying, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. He is risen. And then, Jesus. Jesus had done the impossible, and He hasn't stopped doing the impossible ever since. Ever since. He has been bringing lives and souls back to life ever since that moment many of us in this room are those souls. Amen. We have been brought to life. Before we knew Christ, we were dead. Amen. Maybe not physically, but we were dead here, spiritually. There would be those that will look to us and say that your spiritual renewing is a false one, a pretend one. But we know it isn't. Why? Because Jesus has done the impossible. He has done the very thing that nothing on this earth can do. Nothing. This is why we celebrate today. This is why we gather for Easter. Not that death overcame him, but that he overcame death. This is our Savior. And I'm going to tell you that it is a pleasure to serve him. Not just behind the pulpit. But my everyday mundane life, going to work every day, going to the grocery store, driving behind the car in Atlanta traffic, that will test your faith. (laughs) It will test it, I would tell you. These are the things in our life. What we do here on Sunday morning, church, this is not the definition of the church, what we're right now. This is where the saints gather and maybe even a lost soul or two to come and find who Jesus is. But ministry's done out there. Easter is out there. Easter is what you and I are called to live as. We are Easter believers. Isn't it, isn't it great and wonderful that we are not serving a Jesus, a Messiah that died on the cross... And then that was the end of the story, that you and I, we serve a risen Savior so that way those outside of these walls can know that they too can be risen from the tomb. That's the reality. This is the reason why we gather. We gather because we believe full-heartedly that Easter is year-round. And on this day we gather just to reflect and remember where it all started, where it all began. I love Easter. I love meeting and gathering with you all. In the last eight or nine months of being the pastor here in in Gwinnett, it has brought great joy to my soul. Your spiritual maturity and faith has rubbed off on me. It has, and to my family, and to my wife. That when I'm standing here and and preaching and and, and preparing that I'm doing so because I love you. And I want all of us to know that he's risen. He is risen. Not captain. I'm I'm one of you. (laughs) That's just on this side. But together... We serve Christ. This church serves Christ. This church is the body of Christ. Now, here's the best part of the story. Here is the best part of this story that he did all of this the pain, the torture, the cross, the healing, the redemption the resurrection. He did all of it for you. And I know, I know that there is someone either in this room or online who is hearing my voice right now and still believes that Jesus cannot take your guilt away, cannot take your pain away, take your addictions away. Hear me when I say this. You are not impossible. He can do it. He can do it. That he conquered the grave, that he walked out of that tomb risen, and he can do the same for our spiritual tomb as well. That whatever is trying to keep it closed and keep you inside there, he can remove that tomb. He can open the doors and take away anything Satan has planted. You are not a child of Satan. You're a child of God. That's what you are. But Captain, I'm not sure if I have that type of faith. I'm not sure if I have that. Well, let me encourage you. And let me remind you of the journey that we've been on for the last several weeks. Remember the servant of the Roman centurion who was deathly ill, but was healed because of the faith of the centurion. Remember the paralyzed man who was brought to Jesus because his friends believed that they, he could heal him. And Jesus says that you, your faith, has healed him. Remember the sick woman who touched Jesus' robe and was instantly healed after a 12-year-old disease. And once Jesus saw who touched him, your faith has healed you. And, and Peter, who was not sure at, at first. But when he was out on the, on the water, he, he took that step of faith. It was doing the impossible, walking out until he took his eyes off Jesus. But the faith that brought him to doing the impossible. And then I want to even say that, that when no one had faith, when no one thought it was possible, when everyone even had a little bit of doubt in their mind, Jesus still went outside the tomb of Lazarus and said, come out. And out came a risen man out of that tomb. Are we in there? Because Jesus is right now standing outside of our tomb saying, come out. Come out from in there. All that's in there is darkness, depression, and despair. But come out, for I am risen. Which means, you can be too. Come out. And you know why Jesus did all these things? Because Jesus is and does the impossible. Have faith in him, my friends. Brothers and sisters, have faith in him. He can do the impossible with you today. I'm going to invite Nick to come and play. But just like, just like in the courtroom, one day, each of us will be held accountable to our faith. Each of us will. You will not be held accountable to your mother's faith or to your father's or even your spouse's. You'll just be held accountable to yours, to your faith, Which, by the way, how is your faith doing these days? How are you doing? This has been a crazy year. It has been a rocky road. Satan has been trying to take our faith away from us since it all started. Have you felt it? He's been trying to do it. He has tried to have us, the church, turn on each other every step of the way. We've seen it. Some we don't even have to see it far. We can see it on the news. We can see that. He's trying to have us turn on each other. not, 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 this church this is Christ's bride that's what we are satan is hoping listen he is hoping that we choose comfort over sacrifice he's hoping that we choose opinions over grace he is he is hoping that we cave into fear and neglect hope. He's hoping that we do these things. The longer he can distract us, the longer that he can fill us with darkness and hatred, the longer that he can do these things, then guess what we're not doing? Our soul and the souls of others. Our mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in His name without discrimination. Everything else is icing. This is what we're called to do. This has been a year filled with pandemics, political unrest, racial injustices, and and, and even a year ago, I mean, think about it, one year ago, we were not even able to meet in person for Easter Sunday. But Christ arise.
0: Because over this last
1: year, there are people who now know Jesus that did not know him a year ago. Because this right now, what we're going through in this moment, that God is calling the church to rise up and to be the leaders through this time in our nation's history. That when the nation doesn't know, when people don't know what to do or where to go, they know to go to the church. For they fed me when I was hungry. They clothed me when I was naked. They took me in when everybody else told me to go away. Happy Easter, church. This is what we're called to. How is your faith doing these days? Do you have some impossible things that Jesus needs to deal with on this day? And when he cries out, and he will, when he cries out from the back of the room, wait, are you going to allow him to come and approach the judge? You are not impossible, but you are God's chosen.